Welcome to the Compliance Week podcast, powered by Navix. For more information about Compliance Week, visit www.complianceweek.com. And now, let's get into the show. Hello, welcome to the Compliance Week podcast, powered by Navix. My name is Aaron Nicodemus, staff writer at Compliance Week, and I'll be your host. Our goal with this podcast is to feature engaging discussions, offer practical insights, and tap into expert opinions to provide our listeners with a comprehensive understanding of the impact and potential of digital transformation in governance, risk, and compliance, GRC. My guest today is Nikki Armstrong, the Chief Legal Officer and Corporate Secretary for Pure Storage, a publicly traded data storage technology company based in California. Pure Storage counts among its 12,000 customers, more than half of the Fortune 500, and has more than 5,000 employees located in 39 countries. In her role at Pure Storage, Nikki oversees the company's compliance function. She has been with Pure Storage for six years. Nikki, welcome to the Compliance Week podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Erin. It's great to be here. The topic of our discussion today is the digital transformation of compliance. What is digital transformation? So let me give you an example. There was a time when all information was stored on paper, a person's social security number, tax returns, bank statements, bills, everything was on paper. People stored all these papers in folders, which they labeled and placed in filing cabinets. Businesses stored their information this way as well. They had to lock up all this paper in secure areas so unauthorized people couldn't view it. They had to make sure the original papers weren't damaged by fire, flood, bugs, or mold. And they had to make sure copies of their most important papers uh, were in a safe place and they had to place them in a separate secured area. Today, almost all data is digital. It is stored, it is not in a physical facility, but in a computer's memory. Data can even be stored remotely in an offsite computer server. Data storage has undergone a digital transformation, and this transformation forms the foundation of Pure Storage's business model. Uh, so let me start with my first question for you, Nikki. Um, I imagine that you embrace innovation working for a digital-first company. Can you describe for me the culture of innovation at Pure Storage? Absolutely, Aaron. Well, first of all, culture the culture of innovation, I mean, that is in our DNA. And in fact, it's one of our leadership attributes. It's something that our founder, uh, John Calgrove, who we call Cause, has um, built into everything that we do. And really, it's around driving transformation and, and inspiring uh, others around us to really see that long-term vision around digital transformation. And look, I mean, we we all know when you're in tech, you either innovate or you die. And so uh, that is what we do here. And we think about it even in legal. We may not be the engineers making the product. We may not be the the sales team selling the product, but we know that we must keep up and also innovate as a legal team to effectuate change for the betterment of Pure. If we don't, we become useless. Yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, in addition to storing data digitally, there are lots of ways to analyze data using artificial intelligence, AI, and machine learning, ML tools. The latest digital tools will be released is generative AI, which can be used to write new text and code with short prompts and can also analyze huge amounts of data to find actionable insights. I understand that Pure Storage is testing out some compliance use cases for generative AI. Some companies have banned or blocked their companies from using generative AI. 
Nikki, how do you feel about such bans? It's um, it's it's interesting, Aaron. When I when I hear about companies that have issued a ban on on use of generative AI, I guess being in a technology company, we're lucky, right? Because it's all about disruption and, as we said, the I word, innovation for us. And I think right now. Perhaps, uh, and I may be speculating here because I can't speak for other companies, um, leaders may be focused really on on what the challenges or or the risks are with generative AI, which may have led to these bans, and maybe even focusing on what can I immediately get out of it instead of really evaluating how to transform uh, their the value network, if you will, um, for the future. And so for us, you know, banning is, it's, 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 we have to meet the technology where it's at. I think that's really, really important. And so we're trying to think as AI has evolved, you know, how, how can we reimagine our own business, not just pure as a whole, but really even within the legal team, uh, the legal team needs to meet the demands more efficiently, quicker, uh, for less money, perhaps, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. And so if we were to ban, I worry that we would be missing out on a lot of opportunities that um, that could actually help us do what I'll call more with the same, because we're never going to grow as much as, say, the engineering team or the sales team, right? We're sort of that hourglass. GNA functions tend to be the little thin part in that hourglass. And you think about the sales team and the engineering folks really being on the thicker ends of those hourglasses. So when you think about the GNA functions and legal, for instance, how can we do more with the same? Because we may not get that same headcount. And generative AI, for me, that's a, it's a great opportunity for us to be able to figure that out. Great. I, I like that. Uh, do more with the same. That's something I think I'm going to adopt. And uh, when I'm talking to other uh, uh, corporate executives, do more with the same. I like that. Um, it's doing more with less. We never want less, right? So do more with the same, Aaron. Do more with the same. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, tell me about the ways you are using generative AI in compliance functions at Pure Storage. Absolutely. So. You know, we're looking at generative AI really as a valuable tool in, in legal compliance, um, and it might be related to documentation or analysis or even decision making. Um, there's a ton of ways I think that we can, we can use it, um, but for us right now, we're thinking about how can we use AI to generate compliance reports, um, perhaps by extracting relevant information uh, from, from various data sources, maybe organizing it into a structured manner. Certainly the SEC is coming out with new regulations and requirements all the time. How does a public company like ours, where we do have um, a lot going on, how do we stay on top of that? So it might help us to meet reporting requirements a little bit more efficiently. And again, going back to my little tagline, I think I'm going to trademark it, Aaron. <laughs> yes, please do. Time, right? Because <laughs> uh, my compliance team, they are small yet mighty. And so what can they do with AI, generative AI, to really help them get ahead as opposed to constantly being reactive? Oftentimes, in-house legal teams tend to be um, I'm sorry, I should have said proactive. They tend to be reactive, right? We're whack a mole and trying to put the fire out constantly. But what can we do proactively? And I do see GAI as an opportunity for us to get a little bit more proactive. 
One of the other things that we're also doing is um, legal research, right? So AI-powered legal research um, that, that might help us find um, we are in 39 different countries. So for example, we have employment contracts in all of these countries. So what could perhaps be helpful for our employment uh, our employment team to, to keep track of maybe new regulations or laws that are coming out in Switzerland or Germany or Japan and staying on top of that or even work rules, for instance, in um, some of the company com countries that have to have uh, work rules or works council. How do we stay on top of the most cur current and accurate legal information? Uh, I see GAI as an opportunity there. And then you know, the other thing that we're looking into is predictive analytics. Can we look at some of our historical data compliance, um, our, our historical compliance data uh, to predict perhaps future issues? And again, going back to that proactive philosophy of being able to implement measures to mitigate risk. Those are some of the things that we're actively pursuing. Obviously, you know, it's I think what's really important here that we have to always remember is that while GAI can be a powerful tool in, in helping to do more uh, in the compliance area, it can't replace human expertise entirely. So we really do need to use this as an opportunity to complement, if you will, um, what we're doing with external counsel. I see this as an, uh, as, as an opportunity for us to really tackle some of the things in-house and then go to external counsel later. Um, but, you know, I'm certainly not going to rely 100% on what generative AI has spit out um, to align with legal or ethical standards. I think that would absolutely be very a very poor decision on my part and my team's part. And so these obviously require very nuanced legal interpretations and judgments. So I want to make sure that we are using it, it's an and, it's not a but, it's not an uh, an only, it's an and. Yeah, and I think that that has been a trip point for some companies who, and individuals who've started to use generative AI, um, basically taking the answers as uh, uh, authoritative when they well, are not. Yes, we don't want to do that ever. And in fact, <laughs> I know we've seen, we've seen some cases where I think a, a, a couple lawyers actually went to trial, put, uh, you know, put a couple cases that somehow generative AI just spit out and, and <laughs> I don't know where they got them or where GAI, you know, chat GPT may have generated them from, but they were fake. And yeah. They're, so they're called hallucinations. And yeah, like you say, they were not, they were not real. So, so yeah, that, and, and I think that is a, that is a, a real concern. The other real concern that I've heard from, um, a lot of corporate people talking about generative AI is if you input whatever you input into the generative AI becomes part of its, uh, uh, it, it is embedded in its memory and it can be spit out to other users. And of course, if you're in, inputting sensitive data or uh, corporate uh, in, intellectual property or even personal data of your employees, uh, that would be a problem. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're very, very uh, cognizant of, and we do have guidelines around um, how one may use generative AI tools. Uh, certainly, we do not want any PII, personal in uh, identifiable information in there, nor do we want any of our 
own confidential or proprietary information in there. Um, the way we explain it to anyone in the company who may be using GAI for particular use cases, if you do that, if you put that information in there, we cannot stuff the sausage back in, right? Yeah. It is out. And yeah. so there is no way to call up ChatGPT or Dolly and say, hey, by the way, could you just pull that back? No, no, it doesn't happen. And so it is very important that everybody recognize that 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 once that is out there, you know, there is no there is no there is no point of return. There is no return from there. So um, we are very careful in that we do not do do anything that would involve a use case um, where we're putting in pure confidential information or PII. So if I'm asking you know, generative AI to to create a, a checklist on, say, terminations in France, it's pulling the data that that already has. It, it's not it, it's not pulling anything that I'm putting in there. Right. Um, and then that gives us the opportunity to kind of take a look at it, compare it with some of the stuff that we've done in the past and then actually go to outside counsel and then talk with outside counsel to determine, is this actually accurate? Because again, we don't want to rely on chat GPT or a generative AI tool exclusively. Right, right, great. Um, so uh, one of the things that we talked about before the podcast was that you might use some of the information that you gather from generative AI to write knowledge-based articles or blog posts to inform Pure Storage's employees about regulatory changes. How would that work? Yeah, I, I love this topic because one of the things that, again, this goes back to more with same, right? And so with with my team, oftentimes, and, and I think this is very similar with a number of in-house legal teams, you tend to have one person or maybe a small number of people who have limited knowledge or a specific area of knowledge in a particular area. And so if that person is out on vacation, if they are out on a leave, if they decide to leave the company, that information sits with them and it's all up here in their head. And so is there a way to actually get that onto paper? Is there a way to create a knowledge-based document so that if that person is out on a vacation, we don't need to call them and interrupt the time for refreshing and recharging themselves. We actually can go to this document and say, oh, oh, here's how we do a termination in France, or here's how we do a hiring in Switzerland, or here's how we do a performance management in Brazil. And that may be able to help eliminate single points of failure. Uh, it will also help to uh, educate more of the team uh, who may not have the, the insights or the knowledge or the expertise in that particular area. So really also creating more opportunities for, um, for the folks on the team. And I think that, you know, with a small team, which I imagine it's a small team at Pure Storage, there's got to be a way to break down those silos because they can't, uh, they can't be good for business, right? That's exactly right. It, you're you're 100% right. We we certainly don't want. Uh, we pride ourselves, of course, as every legal team does, on being responsive. And when things don't get responded to, believe me, we hear about it, right? And so the last thing we want is for anything to to get into. I call it, you know, the, the black box of nothingness, where it's just disappeared and nobody knows where it is, who's going to answer. And so this gives us an opportunity to really make sure that those questions are always always being responded to. Right, great, great. Um, 
Uh, and you you touched on this a little bit, but I thought maybe you could just just expound on a little more where you're you're, you're using information to perhaps drive down your external counsel costs. You were you were talking about maybe uh, presenting them with information that you've gathered from Chat GPT or, or generative AI, and, and then said, you know, can you check this? Is this right? Where are we? Where where do we still need to do more research? Exactly. And I think that if we can leverage GAI in a in a very, um, again, complementary way, you can reduce those external counsel um, legal fees because then you're optimizing legal processes, you're automating repetitive tasks, you're improving efficiencies. And so when I think about it, again, I'll think about it in terms of an employment. I'm an employment lawyer by background, so I'll use this as an example. But how often have legal teams been, you know, contacted their external counsel to ask them to uh, for advice on a particular issue. And how often does that lawyer then go back and actually write down the process and document it somewhere and stick it in a knowledge base article that somebody else can use or that you can reference later? Nope. Guaranteed that that doesn't <laughs> that rarely happens, Aaron. And so what happens a year later when the same issue comes up? Guess what? you're calling external counsel again. And guess what? You're incurring the same fees over and over and over. And yeah, you might be like, I remember this from a year ago, but I don't know, maybe things have changed. Maybe I'm not remembering it completely. So I think, you know, in terms of being able to get some cost savings in legal services, this could be huge. But again, again, and I caveat this, this is my disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer, right? (laughs) You can't rely on generative AI 100%. It's complementary to the expertise of external counsel. It should not replace it entirely. Right, right, great. Um, so I have one last question, and that is um, you were uh, talking about how you might plan to use generative AI in training employees on compliance with policies and procedures. Are there other compliance-related topics which you're considering using GAI? Great question. So, well, we all know how much everyone loves a good mandatory compliance training session, right? <laughs> Everybody like, I hear I hear groans. I hear them. I just hear them out there. <laughs> uh, we like to make things fun. We like to make things interactive. I think generative AI could actually really assist in creating more engaging, more interactive um compliance training materials that might include e-learning modules, maybe their quizzes, maybe their simulations. I love the idea of a simulation. Why? Because people understand it better, the issue better when they hear a story. So can we take some of this, the real life things that have happened out there, gather that from generative AI, put them together in a training format so that employees can get the most up-to-date maybe the most engaging compliance training that they'll ever have. I'd love for people to actually walk out of these things and say, that was the best training I ever had. Uh, Because we know that it's a drag and we know that people's time is, is very valuable. So I think when we think about compliance training, how can we make the most of it, uh, of it to make it the most impactful? So whether it is uh, insider trading, right? How how to uh, how to help people understand uh, the nuances around insider trading if you're a public company. How do you get people to understand the nuances of privacy? What about privacy versus security? They're two kind of different topics, but very interrelated. How do you get people to understand attorney-client privilege? 
um, I can't tell you the number of times when somebody will put an attorney-client privilege um, subject header, and you know, they're, they, it, it's not attorney-client privilege because they're not actually asking for legal advice. They might be just sharing, hey, you know, here's a joke, and I'm like, well, okay, that's not attorney-client privilege. Uh, so, so things like that, I could see those being very. I, I could see GAI helping us in being much more impactful, impactful, I can't speak right now, impactful and effective in trainings like that. Yeah, I, that, that sounds like it, it could really uh, be helpful. And one of the things that I wanted to do with this uh, podcast and with bringing you on was to just encourage compliance officers and compliance professionals to consider using these new tools. I think there's a fear out there of uh, the unknown and a fear of sort of messing up because you've you've stepped in something that you don't understand. And the the answer that I want to give to them is take it slow try a little you know try try it in one area one little bit um again with all of the knowledge of, the, of the, these are the guardrails that you have to put in place to use this tool because it can get you into trouble but however it can also provide you with opportunities that you can't even imagine were possible you know even a year or two ago so it's it should be exciting and also a little scary maybe at the same time well, and I think that's why it's important to also make sure that you do have the right parameters in place, make sure you have guidelines, right? You know, what are the um, what are the what are the guidelines around ensuring that confidential information isn't input in there or PII is not put in there? Um, who's overseeing it? We have a generative AI council that actually will review uh, use cases and also uh, the request for particular uh, GAI tools. So whether it is you know, chat GPT, or if it is uh, Dolly or Bard or any of those other ones, um, we do have a, a, a task force that, that looks at it. And my head of IP uh, and sits on it along with one of our uh, vice presidents of networking and engineering uh, and a couple other people. So it, it is important to put uh, some, some steps into place, if you will, before you before you take that next step right, um, right. but once you take it it's really exciting because again i think you're going to find compliance officers chief legal officers general counsels you're going to find that it, it's going to free your teams up to do more of that strategic work and probably be more proactive than than the reactive um you know uh, mentality that they're in right now. So again, more was same, Aaron, more was same. More was same. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, so that is our podcast for today. I want to thank Nikki Armstrong from Pure Storage for appearing with us and giving us a little bit of insight into how their company plans to use generative AI in their compliance function. Thanks for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me, Aaron. It was a pleasure talking to you.